Good morning, church. Today, I'm very excited that all of you are here because today you get to hear from my friend, Dr. Paul Day from the Oak Gardens Church. Now, here's what's really cool about today. Paul and I have been friends for several years now, and our churches have been friends for several years as well. Our staffs and leadership teams have gotten together many times to learn from one another, to listen to one another, and grow closer to God together. Almost every year I come to Oak Gardens to preach and Paul comes here to Riverside to preach. Well, today we've swapped places. And while Paul is here preaching to all of you, I'm at Oak Gardens this morning preaching to all of our friends there. What a blessing. Paul is not only a true friend, he is a devoted disciple of Jesus. He loves our Lord. He loves the church and he loves all of you. And everything he's going to share today will be for your benefit for the spread of the gospel, and for the glory of God's great name. So church, will you please welcome our friend, Dr. Paul Day, back to Riverside. What a blessing it is to be here this morning. Uh, what a phenomenal time my wife and I have had with the great family here at the Riverside Church. And as Corey stated, he is at the Oak Gardens Church in Dallas. And we know that we are getting a blessing from Corey. You have a phenomenal uh, preacher. Can we thank God for him? What a gifted <clears throat> orator he is and what a gift he is to the body of Christ. This is like coming home. Uh, I, as Corey just stated, our staff, the staff at Oak Gardens and the staff here at, Cor at uh, Riverside, I almost said the staff at Corey, the staff at Riverside and the elders and deacons spent a lot of time together over the last four or five years and we've been enriched uh, by that time. Doug and I have been friends and his family for many years and I've learned so much from him and the relationship that God preordained before the heavens and the earths were separated and we just know uh, God receives all the glory from the time we have been able to spend together. I am honored to be able to travel with my wife today. Sometimes she finds she's heard all of these sermons and all of these stories, and I think she's kind of tired of having that fake smile on her face. So a lot of times when I go somewhere, she said, no, I have something to do. But today I said, no, you're riding with me so we can date a little bit. We have a son that's a senior in high school now, and he is finding more time on his own, which requires us to start dating again. So it is such a blessing uh, to have her with me, and I am so thankful God has given me such a great gift, uh, a part of my life. We continue in on the series that you guys have already started uh, with Corey and all of those, the staff members who have already spoken, uh, with Giants Rise and Giants Fall. It is very easy uh, when you look at the life of David to go to his highlights, uh, him dealing with a Saul, him dealing with Goliath, him dealing with the lions and the bears. But also, not only did David have external giants, David had personal giants. And we all have to deal with personal giants in our lives. And we get an opportunity to see the honesty of God's Word because unlike the world we live in where the Hallmark movies of our life only give the highlights, what's so unique about the Bible, it 
tells us of the heroes of the Bible, they're good and they're bad, which helps us to see even though I make mistakes, even though you make mistakes, there is still hope through the grace of God to be able to end it all saying, not my will, but thy will be done. We get one of those instances in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Starting at verse number 23, the Bible says the whole countryside wept aloud as the people passed by. The king, David, also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on towards the wilderness. Zadok was there too and all the Levites, who was the high priests who were with him, were carrying the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God and Apathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then king, the king said to Zadok, take the ark of God back into the city. David says, if I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and see it in its dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready, David says. Let God do to me whatever seems good to God. Father God, bless us as we study your word. Thank you for all that you've done. In your son's name we do pray. And all who believe said amen. Let me tell you a story. At the age of 28, my wife and I had been married three or four years. I was offered the pulpit minister job for a church, I'm not going to name the church's name, in Dallas, Texas. 28 years old. That first Sunday, we had 76 people at church. Fast forward a year, now there are 530 people a part of this church. We built a new sanctuary, running three or four services. And I remember sitting in the office with the televisions on the wall, looking at the people come in before church start at, started. And I said to myself, look what I have done. It wasn't six months later that I was putting boxes in my green Ford truck, leaving that church. It was a multiplicity of reasons. A lot of the people who were coming to that church were from the community and the church didn't accept people who might have lived on the street or had a different lifestyle coming to that church. But also, there was a self-arrogance that was in Paul's day. God stripped that from me to let me know you can do nothing without me. That's where we are in 2 Samuel chapter 15. David is running again. This is not the first time David had to run. You remember when he was 22 years old, David ran from the king Saul who God had taken his presence from and had anointed this young lad, this young military mind guy, David, to now take over the United Kingdom of Israel. And as he is running from Saul, Everything David did was off of his might. Now when we turn to Samuel chapter, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15, now we see a different faith walk in David. 
David is not running from Saul. Now David is running from his son, Absalom. How in the world can you go about to be taken over as the king of Israel and now having to leave the palace, having to leave your home, running from your own son? Well, David made a mistake at the age of 50. You remember the story when he was up on the mountain, up on the rooftop of his house, and he looked over and saw a young damsel by the name of Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the wife of his friend Uriah. And that day, David transgressed against God, laid with Bathsheba. Nine months later, they had a baby. He sent Uriah out to the front of the battle, and Uriah was killed. And David said, whew, I'm glad that's over with. I can look like the hero again by taking over a child that's not mine. But what he didn't know, everything we do in secret, God can expose in public. But the blessing of it is that God teaches us that every action has a reaction. That day when Nathan came and exposed David of his sin, Nathan told David, the sword, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 10, the sword will never leave your home. And for almost 30 years, David went with problem after problem. He had a son by the name of Amnon. Amnon was attracted to his stepsister by the name of Tamar. And one day Amnon acted as if he was deathly ill and asked Tamar to come in and fix him a bowl of soup. And Amnon, the son of King David, raped his own sister. And guess what David did? Nothing. His brother Abs Absalom was so furious with Amnon and furious with David, that he, two years later, decided to have a banquet and invite all of his brothers and sisters. And at that banquet, Absalom had soldiers to come in from every side, ambush his brother, and kill him at a banquet table. And guess what David did? Nothing. Because every time David heard that tragedy happen, it forced David to go back to the day he was the tragedy. It's scary that sometimes we become guilty of blaming God for not allowing us to fulfill the dream that we think God has for our lives. And when things don't work out, when things don't work as planned, when the dream has now turned into a nightmare, sometimes we say, God, where are you? But the problem is, God has been there all the time. The situation that we bring upon ourselves is sometimes we don't get God involved with what's going on until we need him to be a rescuer instead of being our Lord. Now David is dealing with the repercussions of the sin that he had many years ago that is still manifesting itself. We are where we are sometimes because of outside influences, but sometimes we have to deal with the gravity of sin that can abort the possibilities of what God has done for our life. All of us in here, regardless if you're young or old, if you're young, what a privilege it is for you to be able to circumvent those things that can mess up your life. For those who are, who are older, who have made those mistakes, it is an opportunity for us to look and retrospect and say, by his grace and mercy, 
I'm even able to be used by God being a flawed, messed up, sinful agent, but God can use the worst to do the most to let the world know his grace, his grace is still sufficient. So what's so beautiful about it? First of all, God will allow us to understand that every action has a reaction. But what's so beautiful about David? David never separated himself from his history. In anything you do, you need to remember the me that was involved with my mess. The issue that caused me to not be able to be all that God had called me to be. But the beautiful grace uh, mechanism of God is that even though we're flawed, even though like David we make mistakes, even though we have to live with those mistakes for many generations to come, God will allow you to do a do-over to see where you are now is, where, where, is not what you used to be. David is now 61 years old when we turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. The first time he ran, he was 22 years old. Now he's 61. It is a big difference in running at 61 and 22. Now, Odia, is there anybody here that woke up, uh, has, have ever gotten up in the morning and you did no exercise that whole week, but your knee is hurting? You, you think somebody's hitting the bottom of your foot because age is different. But David is not running with his own power. Now David is running with the power of God. Because David says, listen, I'm going to leave the palace. I'm going to run from my son Absalom. But if God wants me to return, I will. If God doesn't, I won't. But whatever God chooses is God's will. Now, this is not the David of, of uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, David has moved from a personal walk to a faith walk. It's so beautiful when God lets you, allows you to get back where you started when God allows you to go full circle and you look back over your life and you get, to get, you get to the point where you say, not my will, but thy will be done. David now has total trust in God. He trusted God for the giants. He trusted God for the lion. He trusted God for getting him away from Saul. He trusted God navigating the kingship. Now he trusts God with create in me a pure heart God so that I might be able to serve thee. David is at the point now where he knows that my will won't work. My plan is flawed. I don't know about you, every plan I have planned out that didn't include God worked from a plan to a tragedy. Everything I've tried to do that did not include God's will, and it was my will, fell down. But when I started including God in everything that I did, I don't care what it is, a move, a job change, whatever I chose to do when I included God, God can take our flaws, our sins, our mistakes, lift us back up, put us back where we made our first mistake and say, let me see how you're going to handle it at this point. David T. 
teaches us in this passage. Even though he is struggling, even though he is running, David teaches us that when your faith grows, it is your faith being okay with not receiving an answer. Faith that already has an answer is not faith. Abathar says to David, are we going to return to the palace? David says, if it's God's will. Should we go out and leave the city? David says, if it's God's will. David has now submitted his will to God's will. And when you and I submit our will to God's will, then everything will work out towards his perfect will. That's why Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 11 says, In him we were all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything out in the conformity with the purpose of his good will. In between the first service and, the, and this service, my wife and I, you remember, we're dating today. And we decided to go get some coffee and hold hands. And I went uh, down to a place called Georgia's that Zach uh, suggested, but it was closed today. So I, I had to make a U-turn and we came down to uh, some place. My wife, we couldn't just go to Dunkin' Donuts. We had to go to some unique, expensive Paris bagels. And uh, while I was going there, my GPS system was on and it was telling me how to get to Paris Bagels. But I thought I knew. So I went my own way. When I went my own way, I found myself on a road that was blocked. I had to turn around, waste almost a tank of gas to get back to Paris Bagels because I would not listen to the voice of the one who knew of the obstacle that I could not see. What's so good about God? God loves you. God loves me. God loves our mistakes. He loves our failures. He loves our problems, but he can take those. And after we understand it's his will and not our will, then you start listening to the voice that can lead you to all things that God has purpose for your life even though you're stuck at a roadblock in life. The devil tells us God can't love a person like David. But David ends his life nine years later at the age of 70, and we know him as the one who was after God's own heart. What a better honor for God to recognize you as one who tried to line up his heart with the heart of God. You know what's so beautiful about that? It helps us to go look at Psalms 23 to understand what David was truly saying when he says, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God knows how to make me lay, lay down. He knows how to put me towards green pastures. He knows how to restore my soul. Even when my enemies come, they can't reach me because he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David, what are you talking about? When I wasn't good, God was still good. When I didn't show mercy, God showed mercy. And that goodness and that mercy followed me for the days of my life. And David says, that's why I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does that mean? To be in God's presence, not just on Sunday, 
but to be in God's presence every day of our lives. God loves us. Many of us might not have a Bathsheba, but we have had something that has drawn us away. But God can bring that back and allow your dream, dream, your true dream to come true. And that dream should be to be in the presence of God forever. Even if your dream in the earthly realm doesn't come to reality, what better dream can you and I have than to be able to live with God forevermore? Can you stand with me as we prepare to pray? God, thank you for teaching us through David that his grace is still sufficient. Thank you, God, for the stories of Goliath. Thank you for the stories of running from Saul. Thank you for the stories of God's, of David's faithfulness. But we also thank you for showing us those moments in life where David was not the best king, the best father, the best leader. God can take all of that and sum it up to say, not my will, but thy will be done. There might be some people here today that feels like that their dreams have been dashed, their hopes have been defrauded, their, their possibilities are all over, but there's still hope in Christ Jesus that even though what we had planned might not come to reality, God's plan is still the best plan for our lives. And the end of the plan is to be in his will to live with him forevermore. Thank you for this passage, God. Thank you, Father, for teaching us that your grace is still sufficient. And it's not our will, but let thine will be done. And all who believe said, amen.